Okay, so much to get to here. The Democrats, of course, have impeached Trump yet again. This impeachment, just as big a joke, just as big a mockery as the first impeachment, maybe even bigger, maybe even a bigger mockery. I mean, what a disgrace. Uh, they Basically, the Democrats would impeach President Trump for having a pulse if they thought they could get away with it. Well, he's got orange hair. Let's impeach him. His name starts with a T. Let's impeach it. I mean, inciting violence. All right, we will get to all of Give me a break. Let me get to all of that. Joe Biden has released his day one agenda. It's every bit as radical and socialist an agenda for day one as we have feared. So we will get to all of that. But I need, to, by the way, a Pompeo bombshell about China and their role in the coronavirus, the Wuhan lab. But first, I want to explain something. OK, this is very, very important. And I, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and I want you to all also, because it's deeper than, than I think we've really been uh, wanting to admit, which is right now, the United States, American society right now, American culture, is all about the agenda. And what I mean by that is everything revolves around the agenda, everything, and it's not a good agenda, it's a radical leftist agenda, but everything is about the agenda. All the other stuff is like just landscape is just wallpaper. And I want to explain. It used to be that the news was about reporting the news, reporting the facts. That journalism used to be about reporting the facts. Yes, they were biased to the left, but they still cared about reporting the facts. That was still their agenda. Used to be the entertainment industry. Hollywood was about entertaining people. Yes, they were biased to the left. Yes, they were slanted. But the bottom line, they actually cared about entertaining people. Those days are over. It used to be the sports used to be that sports, the sporting industry, the sports industry, was about actual sports. It was about athleticism, competition, and yes, again, they were biased. But it wasn't like the entire sporting world was all just about, let's focus on our agenda, let's advance a leftist agenda. And all of that has changed, and on and on. You go into businesses, you look at Tim Cook and Apple and Twitter, Silicon Valley, everywhere you look. And this is very frightening, because now, all that stuff... Their main focus is their agenda. Everything else is just a means to get the way, the, the agenda, to advance their, their leftist agenda. They, they don't even care about news. They call it reporting news. They want to blast Trump. They want socialism. And the news is just a means to an end. The news, it's not even a facade of news. It's not even like it's on their radar, the notion of reporting the facts or the news. No, no, no. How can I advance the agenda? Oh, by the way, I'm going to pretend that I'm actually reporting the news because if I don't make believe, then nobody's going to have no credibility to my agenda-driven uh, narrative over here. Very simple. Sports, it's all about taking a knee. It's all about making some kind of anti-Trump statement, anti-American flag statement, disgracing the flag, the anthem, etc. I don't have to tell you about Hollywood and the entertainment industry. That has been for many years now all about the leftist radical agenda. So everything, it is all shifted. It is all changed. It used to be these people had some shred of credibility. Oh, and by the way, we're really biased and we let that seep in. And now it has completely turned around, and now it's like, we have to get Trump, we have to make sure the United States becomes a socialist country, and Silicon Valley, everything. We have to do what we have to do, and oh, by the way, I happen to run Twitter. I happen to be a, a journalist. That, that, that is the way I happen to advance the radical leftist agenda. I know it sounds extreme, I know it sounds frightening, but... I, I believe that that's the reason. I'll give you an example. Chris Wallace. We'll talk about Chris Wallace later, but he's a total sellout. Fox News, they are total sellouts. Fox News, they used to be somewhat balanced. They used to be somewhat about reporting the facts. And now Chris Wallace, it's Orwellian. You feel like you're, you're reading one of these books where it's like 
they've brainwashed the, the the one of the few people you could rely on. I'm not saying I was ever a fan of Chris Wallace, but Chris Wallace, he used to actually do tough interviews. Now he's so afraid of uh, grilling any Democrat who comes on uh, in, a, in a tough interview because the heads of Fox News, it's not Rupert Murdoch anymore. It's Rupert Murdoch's children. They're much more leftist. They like pandering to the mainstream media, which is what that's what they because they want to be invited to the parties. They want, you know, to get the Democrats on their shows. Chris Wallace used to not care. He used to not be worried. He would grill. He would attack both sides. He would be diff- he would be tough on both sides. Now, a Democrat comes on. He tiptoes around them. And it, it's pathetic to see he and Tim Cook on Apple talking about Parler. We'll get to that. And he did not ask, as far as I could tell, Tim Cook any tough, difficult, challenging questions because he's so terrified of being banished by the Democrats and by that he wants to be part of the mainstream media. So that's just one of many, many examples. All right. So Mike Pompeo has this bombshell. Nobody, of course, is reporting this except some conservative outlets. There is evidence, this was in the Washington Examiner, that scientists at the Wuhan Virus Laboratory, remember the Wuhan Virus Laboratory, the, the Chinese claim that the coronavirus originated in, in, in a marketplace, but uh, that marketplace is very coincidentally located near the Wuhan Virus Lab where they have like 2,000 different um, viruses that they you know, examine and do uh, research on. So there is evidence that scientists at the Wuhan virus lab caught COVID months before it became a widespread pandemic. This is not some radical right wing, uh, you know, uh, fringe conspiracy theorist. This is Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state. And he said, quote, the U.S. government has reason to believe several researchers inside the Wuhan lab became sick in autumn of 2019, autumn of 2019. This is Pompeo before before the first identified case of the outbreak. Uh, This was a a, a Friday. uh, Pompeo made this announcement on Friday. He says this raises questions about the credibility of a senior researcher at the Wuhan lab, Shi Zheng Li, who made a public claim that there was zero infection among the laboratory's staff and among students of any virus related to the COVID virus. So here you have Mike Pompeo saying that the, the Wuhan lab, they were lying. They actually knew about this uh, th- th- this virus months before it became public. This is a- a- astonishing. This is an absolute bombshell. And, of course, the media is completely ignoring it because it doesn't shed any negative light on Trump. And, if anything, it sheds positive light on Trump and more negative light on China. Pompeo's statement amplifies U.S. suspicions that the contagion leaked out of a lab which of of course it leaked out of this lab. Again, does that mean that they intentionally spread spread the virus, the Chinese communist uh, leaders, government? Maybe. I wouldn't, would any of us be shocked if they intentionally leaked this? This has benefited China so much. It has crushed the world economy. Trump was crushing China. This knocked Trump out of office, COVID. It benefited China more than we can ever imagine because now China's economy has been able to recover and the rest of the world economies are you know crashing so uh, this was very beneficial but uh, even if you don't want to say it's that nefarious it, it clearly it's very very likely that this thing leaked out of the wuhan lab and that china covered it up and remember back in may pompeo said that the united states possesses enormous evidence that the pandemic originated in the lab again this is mike pompeo he's a pretty mainstream you know he's a pretty even-tempered person um, now, they have impeached President Trump again. This is such a bogus, this is just such a circus, these impeachments. I mean, our 10 Republicans voted in favor, including Liz Cheney. I mean, I hope she gets totally knocked out. She's got a lot of power over there in the Republican Party. She does not deserve it, betraying 
the president this way, but she is one of 10 Republicans. 10 Republicans voted in favor of, uh, of impeaching Trump. That is not a lot. That I was, I was concerned that there would be more. That is not at all a big deal, considering you know, the amount of negative media attention and the amount of negativity toward Trump by all sides. You know there's always going to be a few defectors. So that is not, to me, a, a knock on Trump at all. It's a knock on these 10 pathetic Republicans, including Ch- Liz Cheney. Now, the question is, how can any, this is such nonsense, this impeachment. And how does anyone take it seriously when you had one impeachment over that Ukrainian call, which was just as bogus, as manufactured, as fabricated an impeachment as anyone could imagine? The whole thing, it was, not only was it a disgrace for the Democrats, it never got brought up. I don't believe it was brought, three, two debates, I guess, Biden and Trump, they canceled the other one, but it wouldn't have been brought up there. Debate between Harris and Pence, did they ever bring up, wouldn't you think the Democrats would bring up the fact that the opposing candidate had been impeached? Wouldn't you think that would be something they look at as, as a blemish against Trump? Why would they not bring it up? Because it's a blemish on them. Because the whole impeachment was absolutely ridiculous. And now this, so, so it's like, the, the, again, we drink a cup of water, boom, the Democrats impeach. So the Democrats have shown impeachment to them means nothing. The whole, they have totally, totally diminished and disgraced. Impeachment is a very serious, grave issue. By the way, before I forget, you know, Adam Schiff uh, was on television today. Of course, the man never met a television camera he didn't like. He's always on television. That's all he does, spouting lies about President Trump. Well, he he claimed that Trump has embedded uh, an operative. They're worried because Trump appointed somebody here at the 11th hour, I believe in the CIA, somewhere in the intelligence community, somebody who's been a uh, very, very uh, strong support, a strong supporter of Trump within the administration, and he has now been appointed but to some position in, in the intelligence community. And Adam Schiff, his words literally were that Trump is embedding a right-wing operative before he leaves office to the intel community. Now, where is the meat? Where's the, hello, deep state? Uh, is Adam Schiff a conspiracy theorist? Adam Schiff right now should be banned from Twitter because if you're a conspiracy theorist, then you get banned from Twitter. If you talk about the deep state agenda and all of that stuff, then they ban you, right? Because you're, you're basically spreading false narratives and conspiracy theories. I mean, there's a, they're banning conservatives for this kind of stuff left and right. And yet Adam Schiff, nobody is outraged at Adam Schiff. What's he saying? He's saying the exact equivalent. Anybody who talks about Trump and the, you know Obama and the deep state out to get Trump and all of that, uh, that you're embedding a radical left-wing operative in, in, in the intel community to, to, to try to undermine Trump, then you're a, a radical right-wing conspiracy theorist lunatic. But Adam Schiff says the exact same thing and they praise him on the left, and the media praises Adam Schiff. But anyway, getting back to so so, there, it's absurd to hold an impeachment trial after Trump already leaves office. You, what, what are you going to do? Knock him out of office? And I understand they want to prevent him from running again in 2024. Shows you how afraid they are of him, by the way. But like, you're going to hold a, an impeachment trial for a president who's already been voted out of office. Have you ever heard of anything more absurd? And the real absurdity here is that Trump did not incite. A riot in any way, shape, or form. The riot was terrible. It was the Proud Boys. It was a bunch of real radicals. Maybe, maybe there were, uh, you know, were a member or two of Antifa in the riot. I don't know. I do not believe that the riot was instigated, incited by Antifa. I'm sorry, I have not seen evidence that would suggest that in any way. I believe it was a bunch of radicals on the right, white supremacists, whoever. But and it was totally, totally wrong. And People died. It was horrific. It was tragic. And no words are strong enough to condemn this riot. Trump did not incite this riot in any way. In fact, he said that it should be peaceful. He said they should demonstrate peacefully. 
So the, the evidence shows very, very clearly that Trump did the opposite. Trump wanted them to be peaceful, not to have any kind of violence, any kind of riot. Now, Rudy Giuliani, he says he's going to be part of the defense team at the second impeachment trial. Uh, and uh, Giuliani, by the way, spoke at the rally January 6th before the attack on the Capitol, which uh, Trump did the same. Trump spoke as well. And Giuliani urged the crowd to engage in trial by combat. Look, there are a lot of words. There's a lot of rhetoric that's used that sounds like combat fighting. I mean, it's used on both sides to suggest that you're inciting a riot. If you talk about fighting and about combat, uh, uh, you know, against the uh, what, what they consider an election that was stolen and, what, and an election that at the very least was may have been stolen. And there's enormous evidence to suggest the election was stolen. That is not inciting a riot. The fact that you use strong, harsh rhetoric, it's used on both sides. And by the way, why has BLM not been banned from Twitter for inciting violence? We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, why have no, why has nobody uh, why why has nobody impeached anybody on the left for endorsing the BLM uh, riots, which were extremely violent against the police and against innocent people? Now, um, Giuliani said that in defense of the president, he is going to introduce widespread allegations of voter fraud. And Giuliani said, quote, they basically claimed anytime Trump says voter fraud, we're inciting violence. Those words are fighting words because it's not true. Well, if I can prove that it's at least true enough so that it's a legitimate viewpoint, they're no longer fighting words. Giuliani essentially using very simple logic. He's saying, well, how is it inciting violence? You're saying the election was stolen. Trump doesn't have a right to say that the election was stolen because he's inciting violence. I would argue just because you say the election was stolen, if you believe there's a chance the election was stolen, even if it's a very minute chance, you have the freedom of speech right to believe that. To, you have the, you're, you're, you're able to express that. You have every right to express that. And that's not inciting violence. You're not telling people to go and hurt somebody. You're just telling people, by the way, the election was stolen. Giuliani's going a step further, and he's saying it's a legitimate point of view to suggest that the election was stolen. So how can you possibly say that it's inciting violence when you're expressing a legitimate Viewpoint, Mitch McConnell is telling senators to vote their conscience. Uh, Mitch McConnell, what a sellout here against President Trump. Now, here are the quotes, okay? I, I, I looked up some of the most damaging quotes here, quote-unquote damaging quotes here from Trump from that rally before the riot at the Capitol. You have the New York Times and uh, the BBC listed a bunch of quotes here that, that, that they claim is Trump inciting riots, or at least th this is the best they could dig up. And... Um, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing here that would incite a riot. I'll read you what they consider the most damaging quotes here. And they keep talking about how Trump used graphic, violent imagery in his speech. I mean, give me a break. Once, If you're going to do that, if that's going to be your new standard where if you use graphic, violent imagery when you're giving a speech, then you are now inciting riots and violence and you have the ability to be impeached. They're going to start throwing people in jail claiming that they're inciting riots by giving a speech, talking using graphic imagery because it's powerful, it's strong imagery. Trump knows how to rile up the crowd. That, that, that is not a crime. That is not an impeachable offense. And it's an absurd... They, they, they set this bar. It could really come back to haunt them. But here's, the, here's some quotes here from Trump. Quote, Republicans are constantly fighting like a boxer with his hands tied behind his back. And we want to be so nice. We want to be so respectful of everybody, including bad people. We're going to have to fight much harder. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. We're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen. We're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show, show strength. You have to be strong. And uh, then the New York Times says, quote, the president's speech was riddled with violent imagery and calls to fight harder than before. By contrast, he made only a passing suggestion the protest should be nonviolent, saying, I know everyone here will be marching to the Capitol 
to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Look at how twisted the Times makes everything, as we know. They say he only made a passing suggestion the protest should be nonviolent, but he used violent imagery. They have it all backwards. He did not a single time say that they should be violent in the Capitol. He did not one time. He used violent imagery. Yeah, he's, he's exactly right. They're like a boxer fighting with, a hand, with their hand tied behind their back. What an absolute brilliant analogy, and, a, and it's spot on. That's not telling people to fight. That's using a really, really good metaphor, and, he, and, it's, a, and it's a great way. Trump, of course, always knows how to really hammer home a point. But he wasn't talking about the riot at the Capitol. He was talking about a, a, an imaginary boxer. Then the one thing Trump actually said about the Capitol, he said peaceful. He said peaceful. It's only a passing suggestion. A passing suggestion he said, we'll soon, everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. A passing suggestion? What are the, I mean, you, they, they, they are trying to brainwash people, and oh, are they successful? Because a lot of people out there do not use their own brains. They use the New York Times as, like, replace their brain, because this is what they want to, want to believe. The BBC, here the BBC quotes from the rally. I, I know I sound wound up. It's because I'm wound up. Hey, quote, we won this election, we won by a landslide. Oh, well, that's inciting a riot. We will stop the steal. We will never give up. We will never concede. It does not happen. You don't concede where there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. You will have an illegitimate president. That's what you'll have. We can't let that happen. If you don't fight, then, and he used some stronger terminology here that I'm not going to repeat. If you don't fight, you're not going to have a country anymore. So again, the word fight, as Ben Shapiro pointed out, politicians use rhetoric like fight all the time. There is no way that that is by any means inciting a riot. And then he said, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, as we told you. Um, he said, quote, I know that everyone here will soon be marching to the Capitol peacefully and patriotically. We are going to the Capitol. Boom. Okay. Nothing. Trump said nothing to incite riots, and yet they impeached him. And we have to all be, I try to stay positive, as you know, we have to all be concerned. We have to all be frightened because if they can do this, they, they, Black, Trump is being blacklisted. He's being banished. He's being banned from Twitter. He's being banned from all sorts of um, uh, 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 social media platforms, as we know, which, you know, he used that to gain so much influence. And he's a former president. And the way they're treating him, they're treating him like, you know, like, like he's an enemy combatant. I mean, they're treating him almost like a terrorist. And uh, you know, they're, they're cutting off a lot of business deals with Trump. I mean, they're, they're literally, literally banishing him from mainstream society if they could do it to him. He's a former president. If they could do it to him, they could do it to all of us. Keep that in mind. Joe Biden has released his agenda for day one. Twelve executive orders on day one. Twelve executive orders. They include rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, the bogus climate accord, because it's non-binding. So you're going to have China and India and all these countries, you know, they're going to agree to certain climate restrictions. The United States, of course, will agree. The United States will actually keep its word because that's what it does. China, India, these other countries will not. They will break their word. They will break, breach the accord. There's going to be no consequences. And they're going to get a major um, economic advantage over us because we're going to be keeping these restrictions. They will not. But Biden's going to end the travel ban um, that Trump placed on a bunch of countries. Now, the media reports it as predominantly Muslim countries, okay? It, it, it's, it, there's a travel ban on Venezuela. There's a travel ban on North Korea. It's countries where there's a fear of terrorism. Yes, many radical Islamic countries are where, are where terrorists originate from. That's a fact. That doesn't make you anti-Muslim, but of course, don't let that um, stop the media. Uh, so um, Biden is going to, he's going to end the travel ban. 
He is going to, this is according to a memo from the incoming Biden's incoming chief of staff. He's also going to sign executive orders, halting evictions, stopping student loan payments during the pandemic. So that's it. You don't have to pay your student loans during the pandemic and issuing a mask mandate on all federal property. And Biden is going to order the federal government to determine how to reunite children who are separated from their families at the Mexican border. That's that's purely symbolic. That's just smoke and mirrors because Trump and the Trump administration, and I understand he separated them, and I understand a lot of people felt that was controversial. We could debate that. Putting that aside, they've done everything uh, they could, I believe. They claim they've done everything they could, and I don't doubt that, to reunite parents who are separated from their children. So I don't believe Biden could do more. Maybe he can. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, he. But of course, he's issuing this executive order as a slap in the face toward Trump. All right, so Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, was on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, and he was defending the fact that Fox has said that that Apple has censored Parler, Apple, the iTunes store, hosted Parler or whatever it's called now, the Apple Store, the App Store. They 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 um they hosted the Parler app or they sold the Parler app or whatever it's called, and they've censored Parler. They have they've they've removed Parler from the App Store, and they say because of incitement of violence. Can you ask the man a tough question? Look, I didn't hear the interview. I looked around for a transcript. I only found partial transcripts. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let me know, but I don't think I am. He asked Tim Cook, he said, well, isn't this going to just strengthen Parler because it's just going to drive them deeper underground, whatever nonsense question, softball question. What he didn't ask, Tim Cook says, well, they had a chance. They're inciting violence. Now, what you didn't ask him, the obvious question, do you know how many platforms incite violence? It's because they're right wing, obviously. Do you know how many platforms incite violence? What about BLM? What about the Ayatollah Khomeini? Okay, why does an app, the app store, why does an Apple ban Twitter? Because Twitter, do you know how much incitement of violence there is by leftists? I mean, you talk about uh, anti-Semites like Louis Farrakhan. You talk about the BLM and these protests and these riots. And there was all sorts of stuff about that on, on Twitter. I mean, endless. You talk about the Ayatollah in, endorsing genocide and Twitter defending. Twitter defended. They were asked in the Israeli Knesset, how can you do it? How can you How can you censor Trump and not censor the Ayatollah? And they defended it. Well, the Ayatollah, that's different because, you know, he's doing whatever nonsense answer they gave, ridiculous answer they gave. And, and, and Tim Cook, you don't ask him tough questions. If he's going to start banning based on incitement of violence, he's going to be banning all sorts of mainstream platforms. There's incitement of violence everywhere you look, and much of it is on the left. Much of it is by Democrats. But, of course, they're never going to ask Tim Cook that question. Wink, wink. Everything is all rigged ahead of time. So he goes and bans Parler. Then he goes on Fox News, and he defends himself. And he's allowed to just, you know, spread these vicious, bogus lies, you know, claiming somehow Parler is the only only the right wing uh, platforms and social media outlets are the ones that incite violence, but not the, but not the left wing ones. I mean, does anybody believe that for half a second? Of course not. Now, as I said, Chris Wallace is a total sellout because I believe a few years ago. He would have asked Tim Cook tough questions, but he's never going to come on again. I need to—I don't want him. I need to throw softballs at him. I need to treat him with kid gloves, tiptoe around him, walk on eggshells, because what if he doesn't come back? Who cares if he doesn't come back? You'll get Republicans on your show. It'll be okay. You've, you've been around a long time. You were, he was asking tough questions of both sides. Chris Wallace, he was fair. He asked Trump very tough questions. He asked Republicans very tough questions. He asked people on the left tough questions. Now— it's all, if you notice, he still asks Trump very tough questions when Trump goes on with him. And he asks Republicans tough questions, but the people on the left, I've, I've listened again and again, and, and, and I'm giving up, and I'm done. Honestly, frankly, because it makes me a little sick and a little nauseous, because here he is, a man who's supposed to be about reporting the facts and the truth, somebody who was a little bit, a little bit more fair and balanced 
than the vicious fake news media, the you know the other the other networks, you know the the George Stephanopoulos's and CNN and, and Jake Tapper and Chris Cuomo and all these really really vile evil journalists. And I and I really mean that. I mean you know CNN. I mean you're talking about. Yeah, they, they really are uh, wrecking and destroying, tearing the country apart. You, you know that I believe that. That's not hyperbole. I know sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of hyperbole. I don't believe Acosta, Jim Acosta, I don't believe it's hyperbole. They have the, these vicious monsters have been out to destroy Trump, and, and that's basically what they have managed to do now. And sent a message to everybody else in Washington, you better watch out or we'll destroy you too. So you better let us advance our agenda. You better not get in our way. We're, we're, we're bulldozers. We're steamrollers. So then you had Chris Wallace, who was a little bit more fair. You could count on him. He was going to at least do the same thing evenly to both sides and not anymore. Oh, well, Mr. Cook, Mr. This, Mr. Everybody gives them praise and respect and courtesy, and he's not going to ask them tough questions because he is an utter sellout, and that to me is very depressing. All right, suddenly Andrew Cuomo is talking about sellouts, is worried about crime, the, the high, massively high crime rates in New York City. Suddenly Andrew Cuomo is worried about the shutdown of businesses is worried about the lockdown, says we need to reopen businesses. Andrew Cuomo, look at the timing here. A few days before uh, Joe Biden gets sworn into office and suddenly Andrew Cuomo was worried about the economy, worried about the lockdown, worried about the surge in crime. Where was he for all these months? Well, the answer is because Trump was in power, but now Biden's in power. By the way, um, Joe Biden has talked about a national minimum wage. That is on his agenda now as well. And he said this on Thursday. He's, he wants to pass a national minimum wage of $15. A national minimum wage of $15 would be a disaster. Putting aside the fact that it would probably destroy millions of jobs. Jobs are the lowest income earners, by the way, the people Biden claims he wants to protect. Yeah, people would be earning less than $15 an hour. It's such classic Democrat twisted logic. You would crush businesses. Do you understand $15 an hour? In the Midwest, there are a lot of states where $15 an hour is like a king's ransom. It's a lot of money. I know it, it, it sounds absurd to people who live in certain areas where there's a higher cost of living, but you go to Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, some of these states, I mean, you're, you're talking about college graduates are earning $15 an hour, and 8 or $9 an hour can make a decent living. Places where rent is $200, $250 a month. So, so $15, you know what it would do to businesses in the Midwest in certain states? If you raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, it they would force them to lay off tons of people. It would force them to hire illegals, and that's part of the plan here is you open up the borders, and they can go and hire illegals and that and pay them like $3, $4 an hour, and you're suddenly giving a haven to illegals. It's all part of the Democrat plan. Then they become Democrat voters, those illegals. And meanwhile, you're crushing businesses, and you're causing many of these people to lose jobs. No problem. We'll just put them back on welfare, put them on Medicaid and food stamps and all those other uh, programs. It, it, it's just and borrow more money to pay for all of that. I mean, it's just it's all one big cycle. And believe me, that's the Democrat socialist agenda. The fifteen dollar an hour national minimum wage is an absolute catastrophe waiting to happen. It's a disaster. Ocasio Cortez wants federal funding. Get this to de-radicalize the extreme right wing. Yes, Ocasio-Cortez, she said this. She said she wants federal funding that is earmarked toward de-radicalizing right-wing extremists. Yes, this was reported in the Daily Wire. Ocasio-Cortez, she was at a town hall. She spoke about federal funding to de-radicalize the extreme right wing. So they're actually going to have federal programs to make sure that extremists and right-wingers... What about the extreme left? What about... so? Oh, wait. Ocasio, she is an extreme leftist. She herself is a socialist, so obviously she's not going to 
fund a program to de-radicalize herself and her followers. But the white supremacists, I mean, this is so frightening, disturbing on, on so many levels, but especially because these people have freedom of speech rights. There's another issue here, which I'm going to get to in a moment, the equating of radicals, white supremacists, extremists, and people who think the election was stolen. They're all clumped together. If you believe the election was stolen, if you believe the election possibly was stolen, which millions of Americans believe the election was possibly stolen, then you are now officially like a domestic terrorist, like one of the people who stormed the Capitol, like a white supremacist, somebody who, you know, a neo-Nazi, you know, somebody who basically um, is, is, a, is a racist and a bigot and possibly a domestic terrorist, which is ludicrous. But again, getting back to Ocasio, you talk about de-radicalizing. Here's the thing, is now it's become okay. You literally, you can trample on anybody's free speech rights as long as they are right-wing. Here's what they have done. The Democrats never let a good crisis go to right waste, right? As, as Rahm Emanuel said years ago, uh, you have this... Um, this, this storming of the Capitol, this riot, which has been condemned by virtually every mainstream Republican, including President Trump himself. And yet now that's it. They have an excuse. They can ban, censor, banish, boycott, anything you want to do. You can trample on the freedom of speech rights, the First Amendment rights of the entire right wing of the entire um, Republican Party or at least anybody conservative. Because now they're all grouped together. Now they're all dangerous to society. Now they all uh, yelled fire in a, th in a crowded theater, which is not even so simple that uh, it's, it's illegal to yell fire in a crowded theater um, based on First Amendment rights. But that's a story for that's a discussion for another day. But this is what's happening is your right. If, if you are a member of the right wing, if you are a conservative, if you are a Trump supporter, your First Amendment rights have now been rendered completely worthless. And this is like gaining a lot of steam here amongst the mainstream. And, and, and again, like I said, it could come back to bite them. It could come back to haunt them because it's very dangerous. Once you start to censor people on any side, I would never censor people on the left as much as I dis despise and detest what they say, because that is just setting a dangerous precedent, which can then come back full circle. Meanwhile, as I said, they're equating the white supremacists to conspiracy theorists, to you know, to, to anybody who basically thinks the election was stolen is a conspiracy theorist. No, you're not. And why? Why do I? Why do I have to? It's all or nothing. Either you believe the election certainly was stolen, or it certainly was not stolen. There's no middle ground. That is that, that that's that's ridiculous. Why can't I believe, as I believe, that the election was possibly stolen, or that there's a lot of evidence, and I want uh, more con more. I want some sort of conclusive investigation or audit. And by the way, even if they're not going to overturn these results, let's say they would do an audit, they would do a thorough investigation, which I certainly hope they will. And um, even, you know, and they determined that, in fact, the election was stolen. I don't know what you do then constitutionally, but let's even just for the argument's sake. Oh, well, but how can you say that? Don't you don't you have to make Trump the president? I'm just saying, let's pretend. Let's just theoretically say, hypothetically, they would investigate and there would be some kind of agreement that even if it turns out that the election was stolen by Biden, um, Biden still remains the president because that's the law, whatever. But at least you would know, at least you'd know moving forward. Remember, the Democrats told us for years how Russian election meddling, how we had to investigate Mueller and all that other th stuff because we need to know what happened in 2016 because we need to make sure it never happens again. Well, why don't we get, why, why does that not apply? Why does the same logic, why does the same standard not apply to President Trump and the Republicans when there is a concern that the election was stolen? And why are you a conspiracy theorist and they're making fun of you? Meanwhile, Congressman Matt Gates, Republican Congressman Matt Gates, staunch Trump supporter from Florida, 
He says that Joe Biden is now going to use national security as a weapon to target Republicans like him. Basically, any Trump allies are going to be targeted by Joe Biden. This is, again, Matt Gates, very mainstream, not considered some kind of fringe radical. Uh, the media, of course, making any Trump supporter seem like a fringe radical, but Matt Gates has never been considered at all fringe or extremist, and yet he is saying he's he's a mainstream person like Pompeo. He says that Joe Biden, they are go, he's going to target anybody who supports Trump in government, and they're going to use the the pretext of national security and basically treat Trump supporters like terrorists. Basically, if you believe in election integrity, then you're a threat to national security. That's what Matt Gates is essentially saying. He said this on 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 Sean Hannity's television show. He warned that the Biden administration is positioning itself to use national security as a weapon, as a tool against political opponents. Basically, if you believe in election integrity like Matt Gates, then you're a target. Then you've got a bullseye on your back. And Biden is going to declare that you're a threat to national security. And he's going to use whatever legal means he can to target you and try to banish you. Listen to this quote from Matt Gates. Quote, we should take note of the language the left is using. Chemical warfare, insurrection, domestic terrorism. That is not by accident. There are exquisite authorities in our national laws that allow our government to do things to terrorists that we would never allow against our own people. But in the incoming Biden administration, they want to use national security authorities against MAGA. They're targeting Mo Brooks, Paul Gosser, Andy Biggs, Louis Gohmert, Madison Cawthorn, and myself because we had the nerve to actually stand up and point out the need for election integrity. End quote. So think about that. He's he's making a great point here, which is that the, the, the left, they're using these, this terminology. He says it's not, they're not just doing this for hyperbole. They're doing this because it'll actually excuse them from doing extreme things. Consequences. Chemical warfare, insurrection, domestic terrorism. That's how they're referring to the Capitol, the riot in the Capitol. And they're, they're, thereby they're grouping anybody who believes in election integrity as possibly a domestic terrorist, and they are going to use whatever legal means they can because that's going to give them now a license to do things that they would never do to normal American citizens. Joe Biden is in talks with Iran, in other news of the day here, to rejoin the nuclear deal, to restore the bogus Obama nuclear deal, which Trump got us out of. Biden wants to resume. He wants to get back in. Is anybody surprised? The Biden, according, this is according to an Israeli television news station, the Biden administration has unrolled its plan to return to the nuclear deal, and they're already holding back-channel talks with Iran. What about collusion with Iran? What about the Logan Act, right? When, when Jared Kushner was having back-channel talks with the Russians as the incoming administration, oh, the left, the media, they went haywire. They went livid. They had a meltdown. But Biden, he can have these back-channel talks with Iran. By the way, Russia at least is an ally, is you know a semi-ally of the U.S. They're not a, a, an arch enemy. Obviously, the Ru Russia and the U.S. they don't completely get along, but they technically do have diplomatic relations, unlike the U.S. and Iran. According to Israel's Channel 12, officials of the Biden administration have updated Israel about the talks with Iran, and then there's a separate report by Israel Hayom um, saying that. Um, is the Israelis are very, very concerned about Biden's pledge to return to the Ira the Iranian nuclear deal. And the, the Israelis are busy crafting military strategies and options to undermine Iran's nuclear efforts or, if need be, counter Iranian aggression. Um, and the newspaper quoted Benny Gantz, 
the defense Israeli defense minister saying, quote, Israel needs to have a military option on the table. I would point out Gantz is considered, if anything, slightly more moderate, and yet he's still saying that. By the way, the French defense minister, the defense minister of France, is blaming Trump for creating and for um, increasing the Iranian nuclear threat. Now it is Trump's fault. I, 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 this, I, um, this narrative is unbelievable how they're actually blaming Trump, the Iranians, who empowered the Iranians more than Obama, who basically gave the Iranians a blueprint to advance their nuclear agenda. They've been built. They've been developing long-range ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. They have had every right to do that based on the bogus uh, Iranian-Obama nuclear deal. They have been funding, supporting terrorists all throughout the Middle East, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthi rebels. I mean, uh, just, I mean, uh, Soleimani before Trump assassinated him. I mean, he was responsible. He was killing U.S. soldiers responsible for thousands and thousands of terror attack, of, of deaths by terror attack in the Middle East. Who, who gave them a lot of power and a lot of funding and billions of dollars? That would be Obama. And the only thing that you know they did, he, he delayed the actual creation of the nuclear bomb. They have missiles that are capable of holding the bomb. They have centrifuges. They could build centrifuge parts. They could even enrich uranium to a certain degree. It was capped. And uh, Obama gave them a blueprint and said, but you know what? We got to wait a few years till the sunset provisions ki- you know, kick in or, or the, whatever, till the, you know, the, the, those provisions expire or whatever the wording is. And yet Trump, Trump pulled out of the deal. Trump has crushed Iran. Iran is very thrilled that Trump is gone. Trust me, you cannot blame Trump. The proof you cannot blame Trump for, the, for, for, for the, the Iranians having advanced their nuclear weapons program so much here. And we can't forget the Mossad and Netanyahu give credit to them and assassinating the nuclear scientists and everything else they've done behind the scenes and uh, infiltrating, literally infiltrating every level, the deepest levels of the Iranian nuclear program and facilities and of the Iranian government. We don't even know the half of it. But the, the, the Iranians were thrilled that Trump left. The Iranians are celebrating. Why is that? The Iranians should be so depressed because Trump has advanced their, their, their nuclear weapons program. Has he not? No, because the Iranians, they're, they're in shambles. They are hang, dangling by a, by a thread here thanks to none other than President Trump. Everybody should be thanking him, thanking Netanyahu for literally bringing Iran to its knees, for bringing them to the brink of absolute catastrophe, absolute, you know, being obliterated, just like Trump did to ISIS and to so many radical Islamic terrorists. The Iranians are thrilled Trump is gone. So trust me, Trump is the worst thing that ever happened to Iran, and yet the Europeans, who, by the way, are the most egregious defenders of Iran and have the the enablers of Iran, they've let Iran get away with everything under the sun here, and yet the the European narrative is, oh, well, it's Trump's fault. Look Look at the Iranians, they breached the nuclear deal. Of course they breached the nuclear deal. Because no, nobody's enforcing it now that uh, Trump is out of it. Um, but, but, but trust me, we're, we're, the world is much better off. I don't have to explain that. You know that. Joe Biden is planning to introduce an amnesty bill. Yes, amnesty, uh, part of Biden's radical socialist moderate agenda. He's no moderate, folks. He has an extremely radical agenda here that he's already pledged. And who knows, we haven't even seen the half of it. Uh, Biden is planning to introduce an amnesty bill for illegals immediately upon taking office. It's amnesty for 11 million illegals, and that's ver- a very big under- undercount, understatement. It's going to be probably more like 20 or 30 million illegals. Nobody knows for sure. But Biden is planning to introduce an amnesty bill in his first days in office, a groundbreaking legislative package that he's going to send to Congress, um, which is going to be under the pretext of immigration reform, but it's going to be amnesty so they can give millions and millions of illegals a path to citizenship and thus create millions more Democratic voters. 
Uh, it's going to be a pathway to citizenship for at least, like I said, 11 million, 15, 20 million. Nobody knows for sure. This is according to immigrant rights activists who have been communicating with Joe Biden's incoming administration. And the bill would also provide a shorter pathway to citizenship for hundreds of thousands of dreamers. But this is the moderate. OK, this is the moderate Joe Biden. You understand why he's a moderate? He's only a moderate compared to Ocasio and Elon Omar, okay? That's the problem is they have moved the goalpost so far left that it's true compared to Ocasio and compared to Elon Omar. He's not quite that extreme compared to Bernie. So, so therefore, they're able to label him a moderate, and technically, they're not right. They're, they're not, it's not accurate. It's, it, it, it's in fact, uh, a lie and an and, and egregiously false narrative that, that to claim that Joe Biden is a moderate, but they can still say, well, he's not as extreme as Bernie Ocasio and Elon, and still technically be correct, and yet look at how extreme he is. Look at how much more extreme he is than Obama. And uh, and then and then and then and then Joe Biden, the Joe Biden of 10, eight or, or 10 years ago or five years ago, because he's a total puppet and he does whatever the, he, he go, whichever which way they pull him, they yank him. He's going to he, he's going to he, he will loyally follow because all he wants, he just wants to, to pander to his Democrat party base. And they have shifted so far left. And the people who are, uh, you know, really the, the real operatives here who are controlling the Democrat agenda. One New York state lawmaker wants to make it illegal in New York to own to own bulletproof vests. Yes, to own bulletproof vests. New York Assemblyman Jonathan Jacobson, Democrat, of course, Democrat Assemblyman. He's pushing for legislation that would ban residents of New York State from owning, from possessing a bulletproof vest. Do you realize how insane this is? This is according to the Washington Free Beacon. There's actually a bill, a piece of legislation that is being proposed in the New York State Assembly that, quote, would require residents who own a bulletproof vest to turn them over to police within 15 days of the bill becoming law. I mean, people have a right to protect themselves, do they not? No, I guess not according, not according to this Democrat. A new migrant caravan is now heading toward Mexico and, of course, then by extension toward the United States-Mexican border. 2,000 migrants, and maybe more will join, they are currently heading through Guatemala toward Mexico, and then they're going to march straight across Mexico. We've seen this story before, but the timing is very, very clear here because they want to arrive, obviously, um, when uh, President Joe Biden has already been sworn in and has taken office. How is Joe Biden going to respond? I would ask you that. Mr. Amnesty, uh, Mr. Dreamer, you know, Mr. Pander to Ocasio and Elon Omar and the open borders radical socialist agenda, is he going to prevent these 2,000 migrants? This would be his first test, obviously, and they are testing the waters. And uh, you know, will they? And and will Joe Biden even understand what's going on, really? You know, or will his people, whoever it is controlling him, whether it's Kamala Harris or whether it's whether it's some other uh, West Wing operatives, you know, what will they explain to him? What will his response be? We're gonna have to wait and see. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.